Praise God, everybody. Welcome to our second uh, little installment in a mini-series that we're doing on prayer. And we want to answer today a specific question as it relates to prayer. And that question is, how many times should we pray for one thing? Now I want you to think about that. How many times do you think we should pray for something? There are those who declare that once you pray over a matter, either for a soul to be saved or for someone to be healed or for a domestic situation or anything, if you repeat that prayer, it indicates that you are in unbelief. Do you believe that? I do not believe that. I believe in persistent prayer. I believe in consistent prayer. I believe we pray until we win. And like I always tell everyone, let's look and see what the Word of God has to say about that question. How many times should we pray for one thing? Think about this for a moment. It's very important to understand the ramifications of the position that would say much is found in the Word of Faith movement that if you pray for a thing once, okay, then you don't ever pray about it again. You just thank God that He's already done it or He's already given it or whatever the case might be. Is that scriptural? Absolutely 100% no, it's not scriptural, as we will see uh, through the development of this study here today. It's very important, if you ask God in prayer to save your son, should you never ask Him again? If you ask God to guide you in a decision, should you never seek guidance in that same situation again? If you ask the Lord to help you solve financial problems, are you never to pray concerning finances again? Let's see what the Bible has to say about this. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So if you're coming in your prayer... And it's only supposed to be one time and then from then on you're just supposed to thank God that you've already got it. It goes against what Jesus said and the, in the original language of what Jesus said it indicates a persistence. It indicates <clears throat> a stance against pressure. So what pressure would there be to simply thank the Lord. No, we ask until we experience a breakthrough. Okay? Jesus prayed continually. Jesus never lost heart. And because Jesus is our model, we should follow His example. Remember this. As believers... We are involved in spiritual warfare. You remember when Daniel prayed the first time and it took 21 days to answer that prayer? 
Daniel didn't stop praying. There's nowhere in the Scripture that it says that. We are in a spiritual warfare. Prayer is not a game. Okay? Prayer is not child's play. And we're not wrestling against flesh and blood people either, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, according to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. In a war, you fight to win. And if you're a good soldier, you dig in, and you fight until you win. You don't quit. This same principle applies to spiritual soldiers, you and I, involved in spiritual warfare. It applies to prayer. You can't afford to be a quitter in prayer. You must be involved in a spiritual battle, whether it's to see someone come to the Lord or financial needs to be met or healing for the body, whatever the case might be. So you pray earnestly a time or two for a week or for a month or for a year. There are things right now that God promised me when I was a very young Christian. And I'm, I'm not going to share all of it with you. There's, there's things that God has promised me though in my life and ministry I have not seen come to pass yet. Now, yes, I th- there's nothing wrong in your prayer to say, thank you, Lord, I know you've heard me, me pray, and I know you've heard my prayers, and I believe that you're going to do this, and I, I believe that you've already accomplished it in the heavenlies, but that doesn't mean I don't ask Him for it again. Say, and, and let me tell you something. God is not afraid of our hard questions either. You see, and, and I don't want to sound like I'm picking on people, but the, one thing that the Word of Faith does, when they teach that, you pray once, and if you ever pray about that again, it's unbelief. They bring fear to people. And so the person won't ever pray about it again. Even if God's got some new insights that He wants to impress upon them to pray, or if God has a change in direction he wants them to go, look, I've already prayed, and now I'm just thanking God it's done. And some of them never get what they're praying for, and they don't understand why, and they get discouraged. Because it's not in the Bible that way. Persistent prayer is the order of the New Testament church. We pray, and we pray. We pray for Uncle John to be saved. And we thank God that he heard our prayer. And we thank God that He's going to save Uncle John. But next Sunday we pray again, God, we're praying for Uncle John to be saved. And the more we call out Uncle John's name, the more the devil is defeated. Glory be to God, the more power is released. That's just the way I see it from the Word of God. Anything that puts the Christian in fear is not of God. So if you're afraid over every little word you say. That is not from God. Some people, and I'm dealing with some in my life right now, who are so in bondage to fear, though they would deny that because it's a bad confession to them, 
but they're so in fear that they don't say the wrong thing that they can't even ask for prayer. They cannot even have an honest conversation about what's going on in their life and let people love them and let people help them. How is that of God? So we've got to have that as our foundation as we begin to pray. Let's just say, because what's on everybody's heart these days is to pray for revival for America. Oh, God, save our nation. I don't now never pray that again and just say thank you for saving our nation. I do thank Him that He hears my prayers and I do thank Him that He's going to save America even if He has to allow all hell to break loose and bring America down a couple of notches. God's going to do whatever it takes to save America. I believe that. But I don't just pray for it once. I pray every day. Oh Lord, I bring my nation before You, Lord God, and I ask You for a mighty move of Your Spirit. And it's not unbelief, friend. It's not unbelief. And most of the people that would call it unbelief are only rich because Christians made them rich and they really haven't spoke anything into existence. And I'm just going to be honest about that. Okay? So, we are spiritual warriors. We want to make sure that in our prayers that we don't quit an hour too soon five minutes too soon or even a minute too soon before the breakthrough comes. Wouldn't that be awful? God's, let's just say God's laid a person on your heart to pray for them. And you're, and you're praying, but you believe you only pray once. And after that, you just start thanking Him and eventually you just quit. Especially people when they don't see an answer right away. People in that zone get discouraged and quit easily because they don't understand the power of consistent, persistent prayer. Isn't it terrible though to quit a month before the breakthrough comes? Or to quit five minutes before your breakthrough comes? Or to quit two seconds before your breakthrough comes? Please, beloved, don't quit. I thank God that throughout history, there were people who did not tire of praying. Martin Luther prayed many times before he was able to take a strong and public stand that the just shall live by faith and win his spiritual freedom. John Wesley prayed many times before his heart was strangely warmed at Alder's Gate and the course of his life and the course of his country was changed. The founders of America prayed many times before God removed all the barriers and, and the United States of America became a reality. If you pray for something more than once, are all the prayers but the first prayer unbelief? My answer would have to be biblically based, a firm, unequivocal no. I cannot accept that theological precept. I urge you today to open the pages of Scripture and let's examine both sides of that question.
Let's take a look at the Israelites' assault upon a supposedly impregnable city, a city of their enemies, in Joshua chapter 6, verses 2 through 5. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war, and you shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns, ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. Then it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down. Joshua had sense enough to do exactly what God told him to do. He didn't argue and he didn't ask the Lord, why should we march more than one time? Why should we pray more than once? Aren't you able to perform a miracle with just one prayer? Well, of course God is. But see, that is a rebellious heart. Remember I told you, anything that produces fear in the believer is not of God. And a rebellious heart is also not of God. Joshua obeyed God. And the people marched just like God said. They marched and they prayed. They did it one day, God said, do it again. They did it the second day, God said, do it again. And this action was repeated until God's command was fulfilled to the letter. Then the miracle happened. They prayed their way around that city 13 long and weary times before the answer came. But when they obeyed God, He gave them the miracle He sought. Praise the Lord. We all want miracles. And we all want some supernatural things to happen that will correct some things upon the earth right now and that will bring people into the kingdom of God. We all want these miracles, but we have to be willing to pray the price. There is a price tag attached to the good things of God. I understand salvation is free. But if we want to see God accomplish things through our life, we're going to need to learn to pray and pray until we get the answer. Hallelujah. It's kind of a no-brainer, really, the answer to this question. <coughs> if they would have left the ark, the symbol of God's presence, behind when they marched, they would not have received the miracle. If they would have let the trumpeters remain back in camp on the seventh day, they would not have received the miracle. If they would have ceased praying after the first or the second or even the twelfth time, they would not have received the miracle. But they persisted in prayer just as God commanded, and they got their miracle. Why did God say march around the city once a day for six days and then seven times on the seventh? I don't know. I don't know. I only know that when Joshua and the people obeyed God, He gave them a mighty miracle. Praise God. He gave them the hitherto impenetrable city of Jericho 
it fell to the Israelites without even a fight. Hallelujah. I believe if God today, 2021, in the United States of America can humble some of His preachers and humble some of His people, and we will become humble and do what God tells us to do no matter how many times we have to pray and no matter how strange we might look to others. If we will just, in humility, obey the Lord, I believe God can turn this nation back around and bring America back to Jesus Christ, which is His heart's desire. But it's not going to happen if we keep trying to do things our own way and by introducing theology that's not in the Bible. Theology that a Christian is believing that's not found in the Word of God actually weakens that believer and weakens the whole church. And if you get enough of it going on, the church becomes very, very weak. And if you don't believe that, you look at what's been preached in the American church for the last 30 or 40 years and you tell me why we have no power in the culture that we live in today. Because we've gone from depending upon God to depending upon us. And that's the real issue with this, I'm only going to pray once and then I'm going to thank God and I'm afraid to make a bad confession is because you give yourself too much credit for doing what only the Holy Spirit can do. Only God can do miracles. You cannot do miracles. Only God can give the miracle. And that is what we see throughout the entire Bible, Old and New Testaments. Praise the Lord. So we see it first here with Joshua and the walls of Jericho. Prayer is like the tide. Pray. Pray again. Pray again. Pray again. Pray again. The tide coming in and out. And each time you pray, the devil's defeated again. Each time you pray, more is accomplished in the spirit realm. More clutter and trash are washed away out of your own life and the lives of others each time you pray. Each time you pray for a situation or for a person, it's like another march around Jericho. Or it's like another wave crashing upon the beach. Hallelujah. Though you may not see the answer, the answer is being accomplished. So we looked at that. Now let's look at Elisha's persistence which resulted in a miracle of healing. There was no doubt about it. The child was dead. Elisha's servant reported to his master, the child is dead. And this was a special child, a child of promise. The Shunammite woman had longed for a child, but her husband was old, and she despaired of ever being able to have a child. But just as the prophet predicted, God gave her a child. But tragedy struck. The child had died, so she sent for Elijah. And we pick up the narrative in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 34 and 35. And this is 
Another point I want to make, what we're about to read looks mighty strange. And so, if you're concerned, if you're worried about looking stupid, you may not be able to serve God. And that's a shame because everybody can and everybody is supposed to and every Christian will serve God. Or God's going to just stay on your case and make you miserable until you get it through your head you need to obey Him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Check this out. 2 Kings 4, 34 and 35. Elisha went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out on the child. Could you imagine if a preacher did this today? And the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Now, this is the second time. Then, after he prayed the second time, the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Hallelujah! Persistence brought a healing. Consistent prayer and obedience to God brought a healing. This is an outstanding miracle of healing. It took place because a man of God would not give up easily. And he didn't try to change the Word of God to suit a particular theological persuasion. And that's what we see happening today. And that's why prayers have been ineffective for some of you. Because you follow theological persuasions that aren't even true. They're not even in the Bible. Okay? Hallelujah. He could have, the prophet could have given up and buried the child. But he refused to do that. Once was not enough. So he came back and repeated the same performance that God had given him the first time and the child was brought back to life. Persistent prayer and obedience also brought healing to Naaman. Let's look at this. Naaman was uh, a mighty general of the Syrian army. He had wealth and he had power. He had everything he needed but he had something that he didn't need. He had leprosy. And if his leprosy would, were to be discovered, he would become an outcast. So something had to be done. And you can almost imagine this Syrian king at his wit's end trying to figure out what he was going to do to not be discovered as a leper. It was a very serious situation. The Jewish maid, a little maid, of General Naaman's wife suggested that he go to Elisha the prophet. Elisha will cure you of your leprosy, she promised him. But Naaman refused to visit a mere prophet. He presented himself to the king of Israel with his request. So now we see him going the wrong way. And sometimes... You and I can go the wrong way where our doctrines on prayer are concerned. And that's what I'm trying to get across to you in this radio program today. We have to go the right way. And God has clearly, through example after example after example, 
laid out the right way for us in the Scripture. When Elisha heard about it, the prophet, he sent a messenger to Naaman. And he told Naaman in 2 Kings 5, I'm going to read verse 10 and verse 14. He said, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan. Now, if Naaman would have said, Why can't I just dip once? If this prophet's really powerful, if he really has the power of God, I should be able to just dip once. What do you mean I've got to dip seven times? <laughs> you see how we can hear modern man in that? Even sometimes you and I in that? See, God has a particular way. And we're going to say some more about that in a little bit here. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. Every Christian needs a man of God in their life. Every Christian needs a pastor in their life. Hallelujah. A prophet in their life. We need all of the ministry gifts. We need to be exposed to them all as believers. Because God's trying to lead us and guide us and teach us and tell us some things that if we can hear Him and obey Him, it'll change our lot in life. Hallelujah. Life will become a glorious thing instead of such a drudgery. I've talked to so many people that to them life is such a drudgery. Listen to this. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. So we see persistence and obedience are two of the most important elements of a prayer life. Jesus taught persistence in prayer. We read Luke 18.1. He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. In this parable, Jesus told of a persistent widow who came to the judge again and again with her request until they were granted. On one occasion, even Jesus prayed for a blind man twice. Let's read that here in Mark, chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. Then he came to Bethesda, and they brought a blind man to him. And he begged him to touch him. So Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. So then Jesus put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. You know sometimes Jesus needs to make us do stuff. Remember when you were a little kid, sometimes your mama made you eat your spinach because you didn't want to eat that spinach, but she knew that spinach was good for you. Sometimes Jesus is going to tell you, you need to pray about this situation you're in more than once. You are not in unbelief. 
if you will obey what I'm telling you to do, and if you will pray until the victory comes, the victory will be yours. Hallelujah. Sometimes. Get it out of your mind, this business of if you pray for a thing more than once, you're in unbelief. That is found nowhere in the Bible. But we do see in example after example after example, persistent and consistent and obedient prayer. This is what our Lord demonstrated by His life and by His very actions. He did not give up until the miracle came. There's far more benefit into the not-giver-uppers. Bad English, but good point. No, I'm not done praying about it. No, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to believe for my friend to be healed. I'm going to believe and I'm going to pray and ask God to bring that healing. And I'm not going to give up. Because I know the only one that can bring healing is Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to ask Him. And I'm going to ask Him every time the Lord lays it on my heart. I'm going to, I want my family member to be saved. What do you mean only pray for it once? I'm going to pray for it every day until the Holy Spirit of God gets a hold of that wayward heart with conviction and smites them with Holy Ghost conviction and brings them to the foot of the cross at the feet of the world's Redeemer and saves their soul. Hallelujah. And there's going to be evidence that they got born again. That's how I'm going to pray. Why? Because that's how the Bible teaches us to pray. Jesus, before going to the cross, He spent a night, an entire night in prayer. He admonished His disciples. Let's read it in Matthew 26, 41 through 44. Matthew 26, 41 through 44. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Now, let me just stop right there. The Holy Spirit tells me to say this, I believe. Sometimes when we're praying about that thing, one of the reasons that we don't only pray once is because we are to watch and pray. Why? Because as we watch, the Lord might show us something that's blocking our answer. And so He directs our prayer about that thing the second, third, fourth, or fifteenth time, or hundredth time, or whatever, to remove the blockage. You see, God, the Holy Spirit, is always moving. He's always active. And so as He shows us things, but if we're not praying about that thing, we're going to miss. You're not going to watch what you're not praying about. So that's just a little point there that I believe can help us in our prayer lives. It'll deepen your prayer life, folks, if you will see these things and these examples that we're giving you from the Word of God today. Alright? And another reason, another reason that we don't just pray once and then if we... If we do happen to say anything about it again, oh, we're in unbelief and we're going to cause bad things to happen to us and we're, we don't have any faith and all that's a lie, friend, you know, because it puts fear upon you. Fear is of the devil. And also, 
There are times when you're not confessing anything. You're just simply sharing something with a friend or a prayer request or whatever the case might be. You've got, to get, you've got to get over that because it's not up to you to save your loved one. It's not up to you to heal anybody's body. It's not up to you to fill people with the Holy Ghost. It's up to you and I to pray. Hallelujah. And to tell them the truth about whatever the issue is. It's the Holy Spirit who will do the work despite my failure. Despite my faults. Despite the fact that maybe I whined a little bit about it. See, Christians are giving themselves, in, in many cases, way too much credit for what does or doesn't happen. My responsibility is to, to preach, to pray, to give, and I leave the results where they belong with God. And that, that is the freedom of the gospel. And always, if the Lord gives us a specific leading or direction, we obey that. And as long as we're obedient, the results are on Him. Amen? And we've got to understand that today. So let's, let's wrap this up. In Gethsemane, the Lord admonished His disciples, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. You see, it doesn't say that you're weak if you pray for something more than once. It says if you quit and give up praying, the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, Oh my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. What a powerful prayer. That is one of the most powerful prayers there is in a, in a repertoire of prayer. God, do your will. Oh God, do your will. Perform your will in the earth today, Lord. And now I want to go pray that again. I don't give up after one time. And he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time. The third time. The third time. Saying the same words. I'm going to tell you a little something that I've done for about 28 years now. And I don't believe, you know, the Bible tells us not to use vain repetition. But I have a prayer that's just lodged in my heart and in my spirit. And I pray it for my wife every single morning. And here's the prayer. I say, I say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood for Angie's safety, her protection, and her well-being today. In Jesus' name, I thank You for it. Amen and amen. And that, that is not vain repetition. That is not rote repetition. That is something that's in my heart. It doesn't become stale. It doesn't become regiment. It doesn't become routine. It's just something that comes up out of my heart. I've prayed it nearly every day for 28 years. 
I've missed a few days, and I'm not under bondage and condemnation. I always pray a different way on the days. But whenever I see Angie's car pulling out of the driveway, it just comes up from my heart. The prayer that I just told you. So you've got to quit being in such fear. Some people freak out whenever you pray the Lord's prayers. It really should be called the disciples' prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Etc. and so forth. The words escape me just now. I'm preaching on another subject and I'm looking at my notes here. Uh, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, hallelujah, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And what is wrong with reminding ourselves of that beautiful prayer? Now, yes, you don't want it to become vain repetition, but don't fear if the Lord lays it on your hearts to say that prayer to Him, and I'm going to tell you, sometimes He wants us to. Embodied in that prayer, in one form or another, are the truths we need to know. And so, and this is why people freak out also if you read the Apostles' Creed or uh, the Nicene Creed. Sometimes it can be a good thing to pray that out loud to God, to make that as a, as a confession, if you will, out loud before the Lord to remind you of those things that we believe. So not all creed is, creeds are wrong. Not all praying from a book is wrong. Not all of that is vain repetition. And not all of that indicates doubt or unbelief or a, a, a bad walk with the Holy Spirit. I mean, the, those things, when you pray the Word, you know, the, the same people who tell you it's wrong to pray that Lord's Prayer out of the Bible word for word, the same people will tell you pray the Word of God back to Him. Now, what hypocrisy is that? Don't get proud. Don't get proud. If you go to a church, so I've been in churches, praise God, where they all read the Word of God together. They all stand up and they all read it out loud together. Sometimes uh, the pastor will read one verse and the congregation will read the following verse. Not a thing wrong with it. Not a thing wrong with it. It's good to have that participation of the, of the people. Okay? So, let the Gospel of Jesus Christ free you. And let the Lord teach you about the depths of prayer. Because we desperately, desperately, desperately need it in our society today. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, believed in praying more than once. And He also said the same words when He did so. And I want you to notice that. Throughout the Old and New Testaments, we have scores of illustrations of those who believed it necessary to hold on in prayer until the answer came, even if the matter must be presented to God several times. 
Therefore, on the basis of biblical evidence, I urge you, my friends, don't give up in prayer. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give up. I've known people who prayed for a spouse to be saved for 35, 40 years before they walked down that aisle and gave their heart to Christ. Don't give up. Don't give up. If anything is worth praying for, it's worth praying for it right. We just showed you the right way with several examples from the Word of Almighty God. Pray and pray again. Pray and pray again. Repeat it with thanksgiving. And repeat it with praise to the Father. But do repeat that prayer in one form or another. It doesn't have to be word for word. And again, we want to avoid vain rote repetition. And when Jesus said that, don't use vain repetition. He was talking about people who were just mouthing the words to prayer, but it had no effect on their hearts. That's what He was speaking of. And that's what vain repetition means. These prayers that we pray can have an impact on our hearts and we can absolutely pray them again, even word for word. I'll tell you another thing I do as I get ready to close here. <clears throat> I got a little book that I like called The Valley of Vision. And it was prayers and also used as devotions of the Puritans. I love that little book. And sometimes I will pray those prayers in that book over and over and over and over again. And I, I didn't bring it, so I don't have it here for an example. Many of you know what I'm talking of. But that's not the extent of my praying either. I pray led by the Spirit. And the Spirit will move you from one high point to another high point and one insight to another insight. And you be flexible in that way. But then there's also times when you've got a specific... You know how they, the same people that tell you not to do that tell you to pray the Word back to Him? And they also tell you to write down a strategy. And they'll pray that strategy every time. But yet they're telling you not to do it. Let me tell you something. I believe it like old Lester Summerall said. I pray... Till I get it. I pray till I get it. I pray till I win. Hallelujah to the Lamb forever. And I want to encourage everyone that listens to this radio programming. I want to encourage you to pray, 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 pray. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't let the enemy gain any ground on you. And don't be under the condemnation and fear of the devil. But let God grow your prayer life. And if you'll do that, and if you'll learn how to plead the blood of Jesus, I'm going to do some teaching pretty quick on plead the blood of Jesus because we, it looks like so many have forgotten all about that in the church today. If you'll pray in faith, and if you'll pray in obedience... And if you will plead the blood of Jesus, you're going to see miracles in your life because God wants to do miracles in your life. And He's going to do it for you 
in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank You today. I thank You, I thank You, I thank You for these precious moments with the people. Lord God, I don't know what their needs are, but Lord, I ask that You would meet every single need today. And I plead the blood of Jesus over my audience right now for their safety, for their protection, and for their well-being. Irrespective of where they are in their life now, Lord. Meet them where they are, Father, and change all of our lives. Thank You for Your Word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen and Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It has been a wonderful time of sharing the Word of God together. And I look forward to the next broadcast. We may have another message on prayer, or we may go into a new series. Let's see what the Lord does. But until then, this is Evangelist Len Paxton saying, Go with God, and He will go with you. Bless you.